Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What's up, my friends? Hope all you out there having a great start to your week. Ooh, I don't know about you guys, but we are taping this on Monday afternoon. I'm still reeling from this past weekend. What a night we had on Saturday night. This is why you love the sport, y'all. This is why we devote so much of our freaking time to this sport, to MMA. Uh, and we're going to get into all of it today. But yes, this is the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. My name is Sean O'Shotty. I'm joined, as always, my co-captain, the king in the north, the Prince of Darkness, Alexander Kaylee, AK Baby. There is nothing like that post pay per view glow. Can you feel it? How are we doing it, today? Listen, for the purpose of this show, I mean, we always talk about ranking shakeups, Shaheen, and I'm almost too shooken up. Like, I expected, uh, I, I think a lot of us expected the main event, of course, regardless of who won, we're going to shake up the ranking somehow. Uh, and the majority of us thought that women's pound for pound the whole flyweight picture was gonna be pretty stable i think we all thought that you know aaron blanchfield might someday be the one to destabilize that but now i've got i didn't even have time shaheen to react to what happened in the co-main event before john jones is walking out for real i mean i had been saying for months that fight wasn't even gonna happen uh but listen they booked it pretty quickly didn't give a lot of time for too much shenanigans to happen in the in the uh, the months between the booking and, and, and actually and fight night and it, 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 he's back. John Jones is back. It still sounds weird to say. I've seen it. I've seen. I saw him do fight week. I saw him do media. I saw him step into the cage. I saw him fight. I saw him dominate. I saw him holding a title. I saw him do post fight. I still almost can't believe that he that he's actually back. But uh, sure enough, uh, I, I, you know, you you can always go home again. Apparently, and and I feel like we're almost in a time warp with him back. Connor coming back. Henry Cejudo coming back. But we'll deal with the rest of that later. Right now, it's. Man, it's, it's uh, John Jones all day, every day right now, I guess. Not only is he back, but like he might actually be better than ever. Like he might actually be better than he has since like 2013. Like this is the first time John Jones looks like John Jones since a half decade ago, at least 2018. He hasn't had a first round finish since 2013 against Chael. And then, you know, that was Chael. Like 
we, this is just a new version of John that we really haven't even seen. Uh, but we're going to get into all of it today. Of course, though, we're not alone on this journey, AK. Rest of the panel here this month uh, into our own little peek into the MMA fighting global rankings. You know these guys. First, the legal eagle, the man who I, I mean, hopefully he isn't about to be evicted from his house after I know what was a rough night uh, on Saturday. I hope he's doing well. Jed Mashu, and of course, the OG, your friend and mine, Damon Martin. How we doing, fellas? I'm probably better than Jed right now. I'll say that. I know Jed had a rough one. I'm doing fine, guys. Uh, what is dead may never die. And y'all all wish you were me because <laughs> you all have these expectations and these hopes in your lives that, that really restrict you moving forward. Whereas I'm free. I've lost it all. And now I'm free to do anything. So really, who's the loser this weekend? Not me, I say. It's the rest of you. Look, man, uh, Jen, you were on the watch party with our pal Mike and Connor. I've had a lot of concern, let's just say, directed my way for you in my life. I've had texts from various people, DMs, Slack messages, wondering if you're going to be okay, if you are okay. The people need to know, like, are you, are you going to be okay moving forward? Is this recoverable? I'm doing great, you know? Uh, sure bad weekend can't pretend that that wasn't the case but i adhered to the most important rule of gambling you just never bet what you you can't lose and then you can't ever get yourself in trouble no one's gonna come breaking my knees or taking some fingers uh i just you know start over again and i'm feeling very cheery about it it worlds of opportunity and now I, i'm unburdened i no longer have to hold to Valentina Shevchenko and believing that she's the greatest female fighter of all time. I'm free to free to pursue other avenues. Let's go, Aaron Blanchfield. You're my new muse. <laughs> new chapters, baby. New chapters here in 2020. Cold blooded. Let's go. Can I, can I real quick? I know we got a lot to talk about. Can I take a real quick victory lap? As someone on Twitter reminded us uh, the other day over AK, I tried to tell you, AK, what would happen in John Jones' fight. You didn't listen to me, and someone had to remind you of that fact on Twitter. So I'm just saying, I'm just taking my victory lap here. I told you John Jones was going to run roughshod over Cyril Gaon. I was I, right. I, just saying. I'm just saying. I, I, did, I did pick John Jones to win, just for the record. I, I, it's not like I didn't pick Jones to win. I just you probably thought it would be a little boring more. fight. Yes, you did. <laughs> I don't, did I say boring? I, th I said I said I thought it'd be convincing. I don't know if I said I thought. Oh, I, I did worry that it could. Yeah, I said I said in a worst case scenario, you know, I was afraid of like it could turn out like the Dominic Reyes fight or the the Anthony Smith fight or the Diego Santos fight was kind of intriguing in its own way. But yes, yes, I thought it might look like some of his recent light heavyweight performances and was uh, looked nothing like that. Like you said, Shaheen, looked like nothing we'd seen in like the past ten years of John Jones performances. Well, fellas, let's get into it because, of course, I mean, this is basically the John Jones show today. Uh, this man came out and I think blew away every possible expectation for even his most ardent supporters, right? Like he comes in here, celebration almost in a weird way last week was of, of John Jones and sort of who this man represents, at least within the cage. He's outside of the cage factors. He's a real, he's a real piece of work, but we don't need to get into that. Like he just in cage, he means something to a lot of people. And he, again as I said at the top, had his best performance, maybe of his entire career, at least of the last 10 years, at least of the last like eight years. Like this was just a version of John Jones we have not seen in a long time. This is not a guy who is known to be this crazy finisher of late. 
And he comes out here and he just sparks out Cyril Gaon in two minutes. And it just wasn't even competitive. That I compared that fight in my post-fight column in a weird way to Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo in that obviously it wasn't 13 seconds, but it felt it left you with that same sense of wonderment and almost being unfulfilled because it felt like the fight ended before it even really started. And you didn't actually get a sense of how this would play out before it was already over. And so now here we are. It's uh, Monday morning as we record this, probably Tuesday as you're listening to this. And the heavyweight rankings are out for MMA fighting. John Jones debuts at number two at heavyweight. AK and Jed, uh, you, you two and I both put him at number two. Damon, you zagged where the rest of us zigged. You had Jones jump and Francis straight to the top, straight to number one. You and the Brazilian beast both, Guillermo Cruz, saw it the same. Uh, and you were the two of the 18 panel who had Jones at number one. The other six of us had him at number two. But you know what, guys? The people. I always say this about you, Damon. You're a man of the people. They seem to be on your side, Damon. I, I checked this morning. We have a poll up on MMA fighting. AK, I know you love polls. 60% of our readers on MMA fighting voted John Jones as the number one uh, heavyweight in the world on this week's ranking shakeup post. Damon, I'll go to you first. Talk us through this. Jones, number one in heavyweight. Was this an easy choice for you? Was this difficult? Why are you right? And why are the rest of us on the website wrong outside of Guillermo? Well, it's, it's, it's difficult. I'm not going to say it's easy. It is difficult because Francis Ngannou is incredible. And, and we don't forget about Francis Ngannou's body of work. But when you talk about John Jones, his body of work is unparalleled by anybody in the sport. Now you can say, yes, that, you know, the majority, all of that took place at light heavyweight. That's true. But to come back on day one at heavyweight and absolutely eviscerate the other, you know, number two guy in the UFC and Cyril gone and take him out effortlessly two minutes and two minutes and change chokes him out, takes him down one takedown over. Cyril Gaon doesn't get back up. Five significant strikes. That's it. Doesn't get do anything. Doesn't doesn't do anything. Handles him in a way that no one has handled him. Um, and obviously Cyril's only other losses to Francis Ngannou in the UFC. But I'm saying like even even the Tai Tuivasa fight, which Tai had moments in there, it, it was still you know no one has done this to Cyril Gaon. And I think we all agree Cyril Gaon is a very very good heavyweight to go out there and do that in that impressive of a fashion. And yes. I do take into account that when Francis fought him, he did it on one leg and I commend him for going out and still winning that fight. But as I always say, this sport is, is uh, it, no excuses. You know, you step in the cage, you can't lose or have a bad performance and come out and say, well, you know, I was sick during camp and had an arm injury. You can't Jake Paul it. You can't sit here and say, well, this and this and this, but no, no, you stepped in there. You knew what you were stepping into and, and credit to Francis for getting the job done. He won. But just based on the eye test, Jones did to Cyril Ghosn in two minutes what Francis couldn't do in 25. And that, to me, was the biggest factor because Francis, as impressive as his resume is, and he does have a lot of great wins um, and obviously more of a record in heavyweight, that one fight that is their most recent fight, they share it, and John eviscerated him inside of three minutes. And Francis didn't. So, again, I'm 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 – picking nits here i'm not i'm not saying that francis doesn't deserve to be number one i'm saying that in my estimation that's why i put john jones number one because he did to surreal gone in three under three minutes what francis couldn't do in 25 can i counter damon here which is that it's a lot of what you're saying is like just objectively true i i feel the need to point out an important piece that is lacked there in that 
they're not the same fighter and the styles are incredibly different. Like John Jones didn't go out and knock out Cyril gone in a kickboxing match. He took him down and choked him out and I have full credit for that. I'm not taking that credit away, but the expectation really never should have existed that Francis could do that because that's not part of his game. And so that's where I, that's where I do have problems with putting John at number one, because it is explicitly and entirely putting him at the top of the heap off of one win. Like we'll get into the pound for pound thing later and I have different issues, et cetera there. But if you're putting him as the number one heavyweight in the world, it's entirely off of one fight over the guy who wasn't the number one heavyweight in the world. And that's like, that's where I draw my line, right? Like Francis was universally the number one dude. John gets one win and he's not, and it, and it wasn't over the one guy. So there's no argument to jump him in that way. I, I have no problem, obviously putting John ahead of wherever you have Cyril gone in your ranking. It feels disrespectful to Francis and Ganu to be like, well, he beat this dude better. Now, granted, you've been knocking out everyone in this division for years, but he beat this one guy better than you, uh, and you didn't get to fight him because the UFC wouldn't pony up money. That's where I drew the line. And I, I that that is a real problem to get past for me. AK, you hold the keys to the MMA fighting vaunted MMA math calculator. Damon's kind of using the MMA math aspect of this. I are mean, we you break tell it me, out? Are we, is this are we time to break, to break out? out the calculator? We don't even need the calculator for this one, because if we're just using strict MMA math, then that's why Nganu is number one, because uh, a Damon's rationale makes sense. Damon's rationale is using uh, you know anecdotal evidence, using what we saw with our own eyes. It's going beyond the statistics. We saw Nganu unable to finish Gan. You know, an impressive performance. I still think that, that some people hold that against uh, Francis, that, oh, he wrestled. He had to wrestle him to win. He couldn't outstrike him. He couldn't finish him, even, even though he was, yeah. Um, but and, and but for me, like that, that was impressive that he got it out, as you mentioned, the one leg thing and, and his ability to loathe as I am to admit it, mix the martial arts effectively. <laughs> uh, and then we have Jones. We we ju- we literally just saw this. You know, it's very, very fresh in our minds. Just I, I said this on, on to the next one. That fight was less like, you know, the, supposedly the two best heavyweights in the world, according to the UFC, and more like like uh, uh, Mickey Gall and CM Punk. You know what I mean? It, it reminded me of, of of CM Punk whiffing on a punch and just getting taken down and looking like Bush League on the ground. And that's kind of what happened to Gon. I'm not saying that Gon is Bush League on the ground, but you well, know, I think it's we've got some evidence saying that that's true. We've got actually. some evidence to support that his ground game is not uh, the strongest in, in the heavyweight division. Uh, let's we can say that fairly. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, we don't need, the, we don't need the calculator. Punk's probably. <laughs> I'm not sure, <laughs> uh, we need, but, we, but we don't need the cal- we don't need the calculator because uh, yes, if we're just going strictly by who beat who, for me, you know that 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 Ngannou fight is still a hill that Joan has to climb. Now, is that the way it's always going to be? Not necessarily. By our own rankings, uh, I've seen people asking on social media, uh, when is Ngannou just going to get removed? And it'll be a while, technically, before the whole panel has to take him off. It'll be uh, August, I believe. That'll be past the eighteen months threshold of not fighting uh for me and i and i guess we'll, we kind of have to i don't know if we want to get into this part just yet but i will say for me if his next fight uh is in boxing francis Ngannou, that is i may bump him down or bump him off entirely even earlier than the 
than the deadline than than August. So we'll, I'm keeping that in mind. But for for now, again, I, I didn't want to get super captured by the moment. For now, I'm like I, I still think Gon is the best. I had made up my mind before, pretty much that he would remain number one, just because it just didn't seem to fair to uh, to take him out, just because he, he this battle with the UFC and, and not being in the UFC. You know, we always say over and over again, the UFC should not be the end all be all of of rankings, despite it clearly having the you know top tier talent in mma uh so i just didn't want to bump him off yet but uh jones did pretty much everything he could to claim that number one spot a two minute finish that against the clear-cut number two guys so uh yeah i don't for me personally i don't know what more he could have done to take that spot but i just i was i was using math to keep uh, and, and, and maybe one. maybe i'm preemptively doing this also i mean i i i stand by what i said about the Cyril fight but i also you know, Francis, no matter where you have him ranked right now, at number one or number two, in my case, he's living on borrowed time. I mean, let's just be honest about that. Like well, whether, sure, whether, sure. whether, that whether it's August, true. I'm not even talking about the August thing. I'm talking about like he can't fight another heavyweight outside the UFC that's going to put him anywhere in the realm of where John Jones can go from here. Like if John Jones beats Stipe, even though Stipe Miocic is not in the rankings right now, that's a better win than anything Francis Ngannou can do outside of the UFC. I mean, just let's be honest. Like he could beat, he can beat Arjun well, Buller. Francis already he can beat, has Stipe on yeah, his list. He does, but he can beat Ante Delizia. He can beat you know Ryan Bader. He can beat every heavyweight that's not in the UFC, and none of those wins. Big Philly style? No. Overall? Oh, here it is. What if Stipe gives him a good fight? By your own logic, Francis colded that dude last time they squared well, Francis, up. If Stipe, Stipe, if Stipe, Stipe fights John real hard for five rounds and he wins another bogus splitty or whatever, then how yeah, does it work? Well, Stipe already Stipe also mauled Francis over five rounds once upon a time. So yeah, I mean, that's a weird. That's a he kind of outlasted him. D- Damon, that's your Ohio coming out. Yeah, right? that was yeah. not yeah. He did that five years ago. What but, happened the most recent time oh, they no, fought? He got, he got dead at the last time they fought. Absolutely, he did. I'm just saying, yeah. my point, I get again, maybe again, maybe I'm being preemptive here, but I'm being honest and saying that, as much, and I love Francis Ngannou. I did, like I said, I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to get my soapbox about him against the UFC and how many different ways I applaud him for standing up for what he believed in and, and leaving the organization and going on into greener pastures. But just the reality of talented heavyweight, it's already a thin division. Um, he's living on borrowed time, even if you have him number one right now. So I just, again, I just think Jones with that one win was impressive enough to me to go ahead and put him there. And again, I don't fault anyone for having Francis one, uh, but I think we all agree that, you know, his number one slot, even if you think he is the best heavyweight in the world, is, you know, short-lived. He's got a six-month window. Probably. Assuming assuming Jones fights again and wins, I don't think anyone here is going to, you know, continue to put Francis number one because, again, he just can't fight well, anyone that's going to keep him I, there. I will say on that note, the one thing that Francis has right now in his back pocket that's sort of in factor playing in his favor is the fact that John Jones, at least for the interim, these first few seems will have be going through the Francis and Ghana leftovers, right? Like Francis already beat. Cyril God, Francis already beat Stipe Miocic. Like John Jones is just sort of doing the same thing that Francis has already done. So that to me, at least like, it's not as if there is some new guy coming up that Francis hasn't beaten that John Jones will, you know, top over. I, I see you wanting to jump in, Jed. What's up? Well, I'll just say, like with you on that, uh, if Jones beats Stipe, that's not going to change my rankings for now. Uh, if Francis gets knocked out because of inactivity, then that's one thing. But I was talking with Casey on the, on the post-fight presser when we were doing that. And I agree that there is a timeline. At, at some point, Ngannou simply doesn't have the bodies to to fight outside. Like he can fight Bader, who 
isn't a great win, but is still like a top 10 heavyweight per our rankings. <laughs> like that's really about the extent, like Phil DeFreeze or whatever. Uh, but at, at some point, if John stays and competes for sure, he's going to take over. I have no confidence that that's about I, to yeah. happen. Like, I just he's going to fight Stipe. Is he going to fight Curtis Blades? Like, he's does not. he give a shit about fighting Curtis Blades or Sergey? Pe- like, maybe if Tom Aspinall comes back and can can get a win and generate interest, but like Stipe makes sense for John as a, a legacy fight and a fight that matters. Does he want to put his whole every like all of the I'm undefeated goat on the line to fight Curtis friggin' Blades? I find that really hard to believe. Realistically, might actually be the toughest fight for John at heavyweight, in my eyes at least. Let's also be honest about, like, John Jones, when he left light heavyweight, he left that division in shambles in so many ways. Like, when we, like, it took us to Yuri Perhoshka to finally feel like we kind of had somebody that kind of finally moved out of the John Jones orbit a little bit because obviously Glover, you know, he had to pass with Jones and all those kind of things. Like, we kind of, you know, I, I love Jan Blahovich, nothing against him, but again, no one really ranked him like saying he was better than John Jones at that point. Imagine if John Jones comes in, Rex Cyril gone, Rex Steve Miocic, and it just pieces out again. And then you've got like not you're Francis, not John Jones, and you're left with it's gonna be the same thing, Frankly, dude. Like though, John Jones. You know, it's really up. funny. That is Curtis Blades' dream because then Curtis Blades will actually get a chance to fight for the title. <laughs> yeah. and become he might USA actually champion. get a title shot. It's just so funny to me. Like he may just leave two divisions in his in 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 a wake of his of his absence. It dude, might be kind of hilarious. And you know what's funny? Thousand percent going to. You know what's funny? 100%. If he does the Stipe fight and wins and retires like immediately after or at least in the weeks after before, like before July is through, if it happens in international fight week, John will exit our heavyweight rankings before Francis does. <laughs> uh, Francis will still be eligible. Yeah. And John Jones won't. That's what's so weird about this whole, this next six months are going to be so strange because again, there is such a strong case that John Jones is the best heavyweight in the world, but it really could be for half this year. He, he wasn't going into 2023. Uh, he might not be going out of 2023 because he might just retire. He might do these two fights and retire. But Dude, he's for sure going. He's going to Mayweather this. He's going to retire and then wait around and maybe come back in a year or two but if somebody elevates to be interesting. That's, and that I don't begrudge, 100% yeah, the move. I don't begrudge him this at all. Yeah. But you, there is just no way I'm buying. John Jones is fighting sergey pavlovich or whatever like that is just not a thing no. that matters to him. he almost had to on saturday we were one banana peel away from that happening jay <laughs> john jones john jones i mean again i stand by this that i think john's the greatest of all time i 100 percent believe when he was fighting tiago santos and anthony smith and dominic reyes he was bored and had no interest in those fights and just he was sleepwalking in there and i think he had a healthy amount of fear for the first time in years because he had a legit knockout artist in front of him and Cyril Gaon. No one's going to sit here and say Cyril Gaon's not good. Yes, he got dominated and he finished the first round. But he had a legit knockout artist in front of him, but he also had a billion other questions around himself that yeah. I think he was he trying to, to he, answer as well. John, John Jones is at his best during two times in his career. One, when he's afraid, like when he actually has a healthy amount of fear about the guy he's about to fight or he's got something to prove. When he's got 100%. something to prove, he goes out there and eviscerates Rampage Jackson and, and Rashad and Daniel Cormier and all these other people. Or when he's maybe slightly afraid of it, like when he fought Gustafson the second time, a guy that everyone said, oh, John, you might have lost. And then John goes out there and absolutely demolishes him in the rematch. John actually has a healthy amount of fear again or, or something to prove again. That will go away after Stipe because I love Curtis Blades. I think Curtis Blades may be the toughest matchup for John Jones in the UFC right now. 
I but is he really going to get excited to fight Curtis Blaze? Is he going to get excited to fight Sergey no. Pavlovich? Is he going to get excited to fight Tom Aspinall? Let's be honest here. Tom Aspinall is the one that maybe he could. If Aspinall comes back and gets a big win and the whole of England is behind him, Tommy talks a little bit of trash. Like that's at least a fight you I could maybe believe he could get up for, but no, he's done after Stipe. No. I'm, I'm on this corner. The way the way John has navigated this is actually so masterful, in my opinion. Because the way, because like I wrote about this in our, my post fight column, but coming, it's so obvious at this point that this guy is just chasing legacy at this point. That none of this else, none, nothing else matters about stack and title defenses or whatever. Like he's just trying to figure out the most obvious way to improve the legacy to the point where whenever someone does have a goat conversation. It's just kind of impossible to not default to John Jones. And so going back, like like this first one, it could have been against anybody and it would not have mattered because the, the whole point was to check off the box, UFC heavyweight champion, get that just checked off on the resume, match DC, match Randy Couture. And then the next one, the Stipe one, with a reason John is so adamantly calling for Stipe in this fight, it makes a ton of sense, right? Because of what Stipe means to the UFC heavyweight division historically, just sort of the legacy at stake there, the the all of it, like everything about that is perfect for what John is looking for right now. And that to me is exactly why I agree with what you're saying, Jed, of just like, I think we put the over under on our post-fight show of 2.5 John Jones fights at heavyweight. I could very easily just see him doing the Stipe one and then leaving because you're right, at that point... You kind of just have it. You have the two, you have the the check on the box of getting the belt and then the check on the box of beating the guy that everyone thinks is the best UFC heavyweight of all time. The only way I think he sticks around, and I don't think this is likely, but Francis. there is, I suppose, an outside well, that I think is 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 just a frankly not not gonna happen. So I'm not even factoring that in. There is maybe a slim possibility that he looks at the landscape of heavyweight and says, uh all of these dudes suck ass because it's heavyweight. And that's just true. Uh, particularly like if Curtis blades, who would not be a fun fight, even if I would favor John to win, like that's probably going to be a harder fight, but if blades gets colded by Sergey Pavlovich, maybe John looks and is like, okay, well, Alistair Overeem uh, beat that dude up. So that dude sucks. I just, if I just stick around, I fight Pavlovich once I fight one more, Oh, look at that. I now have the greatest most heavyweight. heavyweight. Yeah. I am now also the greatest heavyweight uh, of all time because I have uh, the most defenses. It's the only line I see for him to stay is just yeah. being like, a lot of these dudes are terrible. And if I can fight Pavlovich and like tie to Ivasa and Alexander Volkov <laughs> and suddenly be the greatest light heavyweight and the greatest heavyweight, then I'm as far as I'm undeniable now, I am an I am impossible it's, it's to deny airproof at that point. If, yeah, if I am the best of two divisions of all time. So there's one person that is the world another. I want to live in. You're going to say Jailton Almeida. I am going to say Jailton Almeida. I know you're and I just want it on record. I just want it on record. That's all your honor. I just want it on record. That, 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 uh, that, that, I that intentionally name. didn't include him. So you, I could, so you could record. hammer that spike <laughs> that down. Is, his name has been uttered in court. And that's all. I'm just, I'm just putting it in the minds of the jury. I'm just putting it in the minds of the jury. That's all. That is noted. Okay. I don't think John's going to be around long enough for Jelton to get a title shot. I think he's going to like, I agree with Jed. If he sticks around. Jelton's not far off though. If if he sticks around, if he sticks around, it's going to be to beat Stipe, beat, you know, maybe he beats Curtis Blades. And then that's not, that's to me still the toughest fight for him in the division right now. Uh, And then he deads one other guy and then he's out because he can exactly, if he sticks around beyond that, it's just to say I'm the greatest heavyweight of all time on top of the greatest light heavyweight of all time. 
no one can say I'm not the GOAT of anything. And now he's the GOAT of two divisions. So, yeah, that's the only way he sticks around. Jarlton, if you're out there, if you're out there, if you run through Jairzinho in your next fight, you better say John Jones's name. Just get the people talking. We once had people saying that Johnny Walker could beat John Jones someday or at least get a fight with John Jones. If we if that could happen, that could happen for you too, Jarlton. Mention run through Jairzinho and immediately call out John Jones. I'm not saying he gets it right away, but just get people talking. Get, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll make the headlines happen. Jelton, don't worry about that. You just got to put it, his name in your mouth. Jelton, listen to the men. Listen to the men. Uh, I just want to say, I, I will, I, I want that world that you just painted, Jed, to become true because to me, that is the most, by far, the most interesting version of, of how this plays out. Of John actually seeing that this is an attainable thing. Of, hey, I am like only after Stipe, I am two more wins away from just being that from guy. Tying the most title. And just saying, screw it. I'm doing this for another 15 months, and we're just going to do this and, and test it out because that is so much more infinitely interesting to me than what John is, is sort of planning right now if he just did the Stipe thing and then walked away. Because to me, that I don't want to say that would be the same as GSP being a middleweight champion because he beat Michael Bisbing. It's not quite on that level. But it's kind of similar in that you you really handpicked a nice spot and you kind of got in and got out without having to fight the actual guys who were who were there, like the Jacques at the time or the Rockholds or whoever else was sort of going on in the division at welterweight or middleweight at that point, the Yoel Romero's. Like GSP really manufactured that in a nice way. And I don't want th- that to be this because this is so much more like whatever. I still have so many more questions. <laughs> And, and to be and to be and to be fair and to be fair and this is something Anthony Smith said to me when I had him on my podcast last week. Uh, John wanted Francis. Like, let's be clear about 100%. that. Like, this is not John. 100%. Like, this is not John ducking. Like, he's doing it because because and we can well, all be honest and say he has a he has an easier path now. But he wanted Francis. Like, he one hundred percent wanted the Francis fight. That being said, I do I know he wanted Francis, but now that he didn't get Francis to diminish Francis in the way that it seems to already be like happening in front of our eyes, both from John and from just sort of the UFC and from the MMA fan base as like, well, Francis matchup doesn't matter anymore. That type of thing. That bothers me because to me, that is if if that fight doesn't happen, that's the Habib Tony of lightweight forever for me at that point, at this point, because that to me is so important from a historical perspective of, of what it could mean for both guys, what it could mean for John, what it could mean for MMA history, just as a whole, like that fight has to happen. It will. No, it's never going to. It's not going to happen. I think there's a chance. I think I'm, I'm on the it's... side of it. Once Daniel White said Francis Ngannou is never coming back, I was like 98% sure this is will this will happen someday. Dude. Well, Francis, Dude. Francis just, I just said don't think today. Francis is going to come back. Yeah, Francis, Francis just said today, like uh, in his little video, he put out a reaction. He said, uh, I wish it would have happened, but it will probably never happen. He said it himself. So, like, it's, I don't know, man. I, a lot of things can change. Gonna, He's well, going to scratch that clear, boxing like, itch. He's going to scratch that boxing itch and come back. I love Francis. I adore Francis, but also we also got to talk a little bit about longevity. Like Francis just got, like he just got to the top in the last year and a half, like beating or two years, whatever it is, beating Stipe and then beating Cyril. Like, it's not like he's like the, it's not like he had the, the legacy built around him. that say Cain Velasquez did when he was on top and all that kind of stuff. So I love Francis, but like he is, he is the other guy, but time passes. People are going to move on. Like, let's just be honest about that. They like, already Francis, are. They yeah, already, I mean, already are. You, you mentioned have. it. The, you mentioned the poll, Shaheen. And then if people just go and see some of the responses to on social media to like the graphic we put up of, uh, 
of the updated heavyweight ranking showing that Francis is above John Jones. It's at least, again, this is anecdotal. I didn't do an exact like 50, count. 50-50 minimum. No, no. It's like 80-20. Forget Francis. Uh, <laughs> we're done with Francis. Francis doesn't fight in the UFC anymore. Francis is not an active fighter. Why is Francis even still ranked? So, so yeah. Damon, uh-huh. you're not wrong. This is already happening. It's so, this is already, it's like, so predictable, man. He's already being erased. What they're doing, guys. They're not so crazy. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> but, oh, okay. Well, John hasn't fought for three years, and I'm not here to say John was ducking Francis. I will note that for all of John's statements that Francis ran away from him, John just chose not to fight for three years. He could have moved his happy ass up to heavyweight at any point during that time. And, and suddenly when Francis is, has a blown out knee and then is not going to be with the org. Okay. Now it is time for me to finally step back in the cage. Like it's that you have seen what they were doing. Okay. We're not going to get Francis back. Here's the Brinks truck for John. All of Dana's previous statements about how Francis will never head or John will never headline an event again. And you can't trust him. Was there a, a whiff of that on Saturday? <laughs> no. John is the greatest no, he's the fighter golden of all boy time. Again, man. Everybody, he's the golden everybody boy again. on the broadcast, whether they were pointedly told, which I would suspect or not, was, I can't deny it. He's the GOAT, the greatest fighter ever. John, now that you are the consensus greatest fighter of all time, like this was a hard, pointed push from them saying, our heavyweight champ has left us and this sucks ass. But we have this guy, and we can just play this card, and in a week, everyone will forget because we are we are this, and he is on his own. And that's I would also be straight up to bring this back to the original topic point. I would be lying if I said to you that there is not a piece of me that says Francis gets to stay number one heavyweight because F the UFC and all this bullshit that they've dropped this lot, like straight up. Like I'm not here to play the UFC's game of just moving this man to the side. I believe that he deserves it for all the reasons that we outlined previously, but there is absolutely a piece of me. That's like, there was nothing John Jones could have done to have supplanted him because the way this has all gone down and the, the pointed attack at Francis it does not sit well with me. So I'm glad you brought that up because that was the way I wanted to end this version, this sort of part of this conversation, um, which also I, I'm glad you mentioned consensus because at some point down the line, we should have a whole show talking about what consensus means because it feels like no one no, actually knows what consensus means. Someone just needs to tell John Anik that the definition <laughs> of consensus. I love John Anik. I think he's great at his job, but he uses that word to mean the guy I like the most or the guy I am supposed to say. It's not just <laughs> him, Not consensus. <laughs> It's not just John. I love John to death. That's not just a John thing. It's a UFC thing talking about consensus, but just real quick, one word answer. Cause Jed, you even already answered it. So AK, I'll just go to you. Cause Damon, I already know where you stand on this. Was there anything that John could have done on Saturday to be the number one heavyweight for you today? Yes or no? Look at this pause. This is just a tremendous is, pause. Is, is Damon frozen? No, no. Oh, this I'm, was a, it's the AK. Oh, this was the AK. AK. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I thought I already I said it. I thought it was to Damon. Oh, okay. No, no, okay. No, no, no. Was let's uh, edit. Let's edit that. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, no, that was just dramatic as all hell. I, I thought you were really marinated in it. I thought he had, yeah, had, had the calculator out. You know what he could have done on Saturday to become <laughs> the number one heavyweight? I uh, fought Francis and Guyton instead and beaten him. There you go. So that's what he could have done. The answer is no. 
I think the no. answer for me was no as well. So let's just move Dude, on. If he power bombed Cyril out of the ring, like or the cage, okay. Like if he literally hoists this man on his shoulders and just heaves him into the crowd, then sure. I this even was, I would have close like, though. This was pretty close. Let's be the way the fight played out. This is pretty it was close. A spiritual <laughs> power. What, what, if he, what if he crazy horse banded it and picked him up and spin him around and a bunch of in the, the cage? Yeah. I would fight to the death, claiming that man is the greatest <laughs> fighter, both in the heavyweight division and of all time. <laughs> well, let's move on because one smaller aspect of uh, last thing for this Jones conversation, um, because I think everyone has sort of already mentioned it a little bit in our, our conversation about this. There is one part of this whole thing that John already jumped over Francis for us in one regard. Three, three years away, this man comes back. I was always curious how John was going to factor into just MMA community's overall pound for pound conversation. Regardless of result on Saturday, I just always was curious how this is going to play out when it comes time to insert him back in these rankings. Because for everybody, UFC, us, everybody, we all took him out for the most part because he's just gone forever. We have our answer now, fellas. For at least our website, our eight-person panel, John Jones vaulted straight back into the top three of our pound-for-pound rankings this latest update. Uh, he went from unranked due to the right into the number three spot, only behind the two men we just talked about last month, Islam and Alexander Volk- Volkanovsky. But here's the weird thing. Because of the point system we use, John actually ended up having the most first place votes. He was tied with Volkanovsky for the most first place votes. Three of our eight voted him number one. Uh, Makachev only had two first place backers. Meanwhile, Francis is sitting out there at number five, well beyond all these guys and also below Leon Edwards. So Islam, Volk, John, uh, I'll get to how the individual voting shook out in a second, but AK, Jones at number three. I see you rubbing your eyes. Did we get this right? He's, He's number three. Volkanovski number two, Makachev number one. Okay, I I don't mind it. Um, I almost wish we had we had gone either way with it. Either either well, you're so conflicted. So so for me, I mean, again, for me, MMA math, I just couldn't put him above Francis. Now there are exceptions, I will say, and we might. I don't know if we're gonna have time. We're gonna talk about sort of what happened with the women's list, uh, where I didn't really follow this MMA math so directly, but. I, I, because I didn't put him, I remember I did not have him above Francis heavyweight. Then logically, I really couldn't put him number one. Yes. Yes. I understand if you're putting Jones number one, obviously you're counting the body of work we've seen at light heavyweight, uh, which is again, which remains uh, untouchable. It, it, it was a fantastic run at light heavyweight. There's no question. And pound for but, pound is the category where that can apply, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of my criteria for pound for pound is certainly longevity, divisional dominance, title defenses. But I think the issue here is, is for me is there has to be some penalty for inactivity. And it's not as if it was like just injuries that kept him out. Jed kind of mentioned it. It's the, the, the slow transition to heavyweight, which is great. Listen, if, if the three years that he took is because he was really properly channeling his body and turning into a heavyweight, and that's what gave us this incredible two minute win, then that's fine. Listen, then what can you say? You can't criticize that, but we know there's other reasons. John Jones wasn't fighting. There was contractual reasons. There was legal reasons that he probably was not best served booking a fight while he was taking care of those things. There's some really, really bad outside of the cage incidents. And even if you don't care about those things, even if you're one of those people who's like, I don't have to like fighters. I don't care about their personality. I can separate who they are as a person from who they are as an athlete. You have to know that who he is as a person 
is directly had a direct negative effect on his career because those legal issues they just they kept him out of competition if a lot of those things hadn't happened i can pretty much guarantee you he would have fought a lot sooner but you listen he has to wait for the dust to clear he has to settle those things so there has to be a penalty for an activity so for me i can't put him over a volkanovsky i can't put him over a Makhachev. i can't put him over these guys who've been putting in that work over the last few years. I understand the Nganu thing, I think is much easier if people want to put him over Nganu. Nganu hasn't fought since since a year. That, that's a lot of inactivity as it is. So I, I have a lot more understanding for that. But again, Makachev, uh, Volkanovski. And who's the other name I have above? I have him at fifth in mine. I also hey, have you him had behind. Him at four, behind uh, I'm at four. Oh, okay. And Nganu, because Nganu has to be in there. Okay. So then Makachev and so just Makachev and Volkanovsky. Yeah, I, I can't put him above them. They've been putting in the work. They've been they've been performing. So for me, there has, has to be some some sort of penalty. Well, so I want to get into the individual vote because to me, the individual vote on all this and how it shook out is actually really interesting. And it was it was while there was uniformity really across our heavyweight vote, everyone either having them one or two, when it came to pound for pound. That shit was all over the place. We were, we were everywhere as an eight-person panel. Uh, so, Damon, you you and the Brazilian Beast, once again, you guys saw this the same. Uh, you and our pals, you two and our pal Stephen Morocco had John slotted right there at number one. Those were the three first-place votes. And then everyone else, no consensus whatsoever. Go back to that word. There was no consensus. AK, you had him at four behind Francis. And then three aforementioned guys, uh, I had him at five behind Francis and Edwards. Mike had him at four. Casey had him at five. And then, of course, there's our old pal, Jed Mashu. I stand uh, by it. I think I have the best one. Well, so we'll let, you do, we'll let you talk about it in a second. But you, sir, you had him all the way down at number seven, below the five aforementioned guys that we've talked oh. about, as well as Brandon Moreno and Kamaru Usman. I'm too high. Front of I him, might be too high. In front of him as well. <laughs> so actually, first, I want to bring Damon in here. I want to go to you first. You're the resident Jonesman uh, of, of this four-person pod right now. Number seven, is that insane? Does it make sense to you? How does that number hit you? It's ludicrous. It's absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. No, it's it's I've I've nailed it. I actually think seven is stone perfect. Absolutely ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrus. Look, in, in what, okay, in, Damon, what you're in, correct. in what in what universe is that is he really the seventh best pound for pound guy in the sport? Right now, it's pretty easy. Like, look, you're correct in that there are no rules, right? Like this is all just opinion. I don't disagree with many of the things you said, but I don't believe fundamentally that the pound for pound this isn't the historic pound for pound list absolutely john jones has a better resume than islamakachev islamakachev isn't the consensus greatest fighter of all time but it's not like i view pound for pound should be a reflection of the time in which we live not the 12 years ago when he was running through champions and john jones's last five years three of them he weren't wasn't competing he just had a dominant, incredible win over a dude who I think was a Favre in our pound-for-pound pound listings before. Like, I'm not taking that away from him. And if if this is purely who is the best fighter in the world, has nothing to do with, with your recent accomplishments over your peers, then I have no issue with you putting John Jones at number one. I'm not sure I would. I still might. Like, if we're doing that list, I still might go Volkanovski number one. But, like, it... If that's that's really splitting hairs, I cannot in like in good conscience be like John Jones is one fight in the last four years. Prior to that, 
winning a bad decision against Dom Reyes, a very close fight against a no-need Tiago Santos, and the most boringest fight over Anthony Smith that ever there was. I can't look at that and be like, this man deserves to be rewarded over Islam Makachev, who's had 10 fights in the, that period of time, undefeated, dominant, just beat the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world against Alexander Volkanovsky, who may be establishing himself as the greatest featherweight of all time, as these other guys. That's, I don't think that that is a critique or a criticism on what John Jones is as a fighter or what he's accomplished historically. I am saying strictly we this shouldn't factor in wins from 12 years ago. Like it's, but this is but the current you, pound for pound list. But based on that, based on that logic and okay, that's the lie. I, I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not faulting you because again, this is bedlam. There's no right or wrong way to grade pound for pound. But my one question is you, when you kind of dissect John Jones, one win and saying there's no way one win should put you that high. Then how do you have Leon Edwards ahead of him? Because Leon, Leon Edwards, Edwards also has a very good resume and is active during that but Leon time. Edwards, Leon Edwards has one really good win. He does also, but we, we did this at the time. His one really good win no, that no, no. moved him up the I'm list not, was I, over I, a dude on the list. I'm not. I, I'm not I have I, John I, above Cyril gone. I agree. <laughs> I agree. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, if we're going to, because again, this goes back to my argument about heavyweight, the way he beat Cyril gone so easily. Do we discount that Leon Edwards had a last minute, fifth round comeback knockout of a fight he was losing handily at that point? Like, do we just ignore that? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if we're going to grade it, and that's a good, he won. Yes, he absolutely did win. But what, the, look at the rest of his body of work. Name me it, one. Name me one other quality win he has. He has. Well, his, his wins of quality. One, he has been active. Two, they are of the same, frankly, quality that we're looking at John Jones's wins. Like him beating RDA at the time he did is is equally as impressive to me as John beating Anthony Smith in at the time and manner he did. I don't know the timelines on those. They're probably pretty close date-wise though, right? Like a few years back. Like this is like Leon gets you're correct. Leon is getting a big boost off of one win. That big boost puts him in front of a dude that he's in that is on the pound for pound list. If Cyril gone or just make this easier. If it had been Francis Ngannou instead of Cyril Gane, and John does that to him, at the bare minimum, John gets to be in front of Francis Ngannou on our pound-for-pound pound list. He gets a little bit more boost for whatever else I would factor in there. But this John beat Cyril Gane, who I think I had ranked, think I had him at like 18 or something in pound-for-pound. Pound. I'm not sure anybody else did. Like He gets to be in front of Cyril Gane. And I, I have him at seven. I placed him right in front of Alex Pajeta, who is also functionally exists on this list because of one win. But I have to put him on that list because that one win is over a guy who is in the list in, in Israel Dissinia. I John Jones is going to move up. He beat Stipe. He's, he will probably bounce in front of Ngannou uh, in my list, maybe in front of Brandon Moreno. Isn't, I isn't what... Isn't what Jones, but I mean, again, what Jones, when you talk about like Edwards and Adesanya, kind of the same thing, or Edwards and, and Pereira, same kind of thing. Like he had a late comeback win. And I understand you but have it, it below Jones. You have it below Jones. Like, yeah. Well, again, me, I understand. John did it. Sierra Gone's let not me, there. So I don't, what, what is the, where, where's the disconnect? Let me jump in. Cause I think from what I'm hearing, I'm glad we had both of you on the show today because it feels like 
your reach coming from polar extremes of the conversation when it comes to this. Damon, you're up there at number one. Jed, you're at the very bottom with John. I feel like the rest of us sort of met in some kind of happy medium. AK, I don't want to speak for you, but it feels as if the rest of us sort of almost combined the two conversations of just, okay, like obviously we have all of this historical precedent with John. Also, the man has just been inactive as hell, but also I have eyes and I see someone that probably to me looks like a top five fighter in the world right now at the very minimum. And I feel like that's ultimately where I sort of split the difference and came in uh, again, having him at number five, AKU you have at number four, the rest of us kind of had that around that range too. That feels like the right place, but I can also see both sides of the argument where I can totally understand where you're coming from Damon. And I can understand where you're coming from Jed. And that to me is like, that's the, the weird part about pound for pound always, right? It's like, you're just, we could go in circles for hours and I don't know that anything's going to be resolved. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's, as I've said, there's no wrong answer here. I'm not, I'm not like condemning Jed for a number seven ranking. I just, again, I just think, you know, where John Jones, when you look at his overall body of work and what he did on Saturday night, that puts him back in a spot where he was before. And, and again, that's what I was looking for. If he had come Here's back my, and looked, can I if, he come back and, if he had come back and looked terrible or he'd come back and want a split decision, there's again, I'm talking about based on John Jones' body of work combined with coming back in a new division going up to heavyweight and then just completely demolishing the guy who I think I had number two at heavyweight behind Francis Agana. You know what I mean? Like, that's all I'm saying. Like he went out there and absolutely ran through again. This is again, two division champion. Those things that little, little, little intricacies like that matter to me. Uh, Same way. Again, And this is for the group, not just for you, Damon, but a philosophical question. Because this has been said a lot, and it's obviously not wrong because they're open thing. When we are considering body of work, do you have a cutoff? Is there a time when pound for pound does not factor in what John did literally 10 years ago? And that, to me, is the big thing because if I think those are very different. Like, I think... that is historical pound for pound. That is the goat conversation, which John Jones is probably undeniable. Number one, uh, you can make arguments, but the conversation at least starts with him. But I can't fact. I can't say look at the body of work and then realize that actually that body of work, f- the last five years, is real mid, like real, real mid. And he does. And so that's where. Where is there? Is there a cutoff for y'all, or well, so is this let me- just? Let me answer that question because for me, obviously, this is all very nebulous. But the way my mind works and the way my mind looks at these sort of things is not the cutoff per se, but just what is the current run that you're on? And if one man's current run is, I just haven't lost ever. Like that at a certain point, like I can then go backwards and count certain things past five years, six years, seven years, because it's just all part of one contained entire thing that we're grading at that point like if your run is that you lost one you won one you lost one and then you won seven like that seven is sort of what i'm looking at if your run is that you're on a three five run that's sort of what i'm looking at but if your run is just that hey i've never lost and you've known me in the ufc for 15 years that to me still feels like it's part of it yeah just well i just hate that i think that that's 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 far too conflating historical greatness which again John Jones is a goat. I'm not here to argue that point. Like that's, I think that conversation, if, if it's not dead, it's there's dirt being poured on it in the <sighs> grave right now. But like, I, I also want pound for pound to be a reflection of the times we live in because if this is the case, like 
until he retires or dies, like he's just going to hold the top. And that feels well, he's not holding that just the top feels right wrong now. to me. Well, he's me, not holding well, the top right also, now. No, but so I guess also, before he retired the last time, right? Like it just feels also, wrong to me. Real quick, let me just point out also with this is that also we're talking about a really weird kind of volatile time at, at the top of pound for pound. Like I said, if Volkanovsky had beaten Makachev and John Jones beat Cyril Gaon, I would almost, I would say 98% sure still have Volkanovsky at number one because the body of work he's had recently along with a win over Islam Makachev is better. But the problem is I already had, as I explained earlier, I had Mikha- I already put Makachev above a Volkanovsky. But when you look at the overall body of work, when you start picking, when you start nitpicking the resumes and the records, that's where I start running into a headache. And right now, pound for pound is a little bit of a mess because right now pound Kamar for pound Usman, sucks. Right now pound Kamar for pound is terrible. Kamar Usman, <laughs> Usman had the resume. He got knocked out in a weird way. Israel Adesanya had the resume. He got knocked out in a weird way. So again, and it's not exclusive. It's John not Jones exclusive like, to men. John Jones is kind of like just bringing, like kind of restoring a little bit of order because his overall resume is better. And he just beat a guy at heavyweight after he's light heavy, all those kind of things already said. So he kind of slips in there. I'm not sitting here like banging the drum saying you're crazy for not having him number one. I'm just saying that when I you think look you at it, ludicrous that I had I him said ludicrous at number seven. So clear. Yes. But, but, when you look at the top four or five, no matter how you have ranked, they're all kind of wild in there right now. Like there's like, Dude. I don't feel like this is not a knock on Leon Edwards. I actually really like Leon Edwards. I, 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 it may not sound like I do based on our predictions earlier this, when we did that episode, but <laughs> I actually really like it. Again, I hate Leon Edwards. But the problem I is sound Leon, like a big Leon defender. Yeah, but Leon Edwards has really one truly good win over Kamar Usman. And, and then a lot of like, you know, not, you know, Nate Diaz and, and, you know, again, but I'm just saying like, we're just in a weird spot. Again, Alex Pereira, he has two quality wins. He has Sean Strickland and obviously the late knockout over Israel Adesanya. It's just, dead, it's a weird time. When for, you said he had two quality wins. I was like, who's the second? I could not. I, there was no like, oh yeah, he killed Sean Strickland that one time. I was like, he beat somebody else good? It's what? that's, and that's the, this is the problem we're running into with pound for pound right. right now. Like there's not like, I put Jones there because I'm like, I guess I feel kind of the best about him right now, but there's no clear cut. That's the problem we're running into. There's no Usman or Adesanya or even Volkanovsky at this point on this long winning streak and defending their title or whatever. They've all lost recently. Ultimately, that was my big takeaway from this whole experience, which was right now, pound for pound is the weirdest that I can remember yeah. it maybe ever being in MMA. And it is because of the sheer amount of these wild unpredictable results that we have gotten over the last year and a half where it just again over and over it, it, with the Izzy fight with the Usman fight with with we're going to talk about it in a second but with the Grasso fight consistently both men and women's side now the Pena fight there are just so many results that throw this whole equation out of whack in a way that is just hard to parse and and maybe yeah. that's maybe that makes it fun but it also kind of makes it just frustrating and makes pound for pound seem less meaningful if that if that if that's correct if that makes there sense. was a there was a stretch there where you could have your 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 top five or top four names of pound for pound were written in pen that in some order anderson silva gsp demetrius johnson john jones, uh, maybe john jones. there you go Th- those four and, and no issue no, and, and that was for no, months and there was more there was more jose aldo dominic cruz like that jose was aldo yeah Don- months and months and months and months those those are your guys you could have them in, you could shuffle up the order if you want but it was pretty reliable uh, if you, again, if you just look at our individual ballots, even, even the Jones thing is weird. I was just looking at it. So for, for us, 
he was it was at Jones was either number one or outside of the top three. There was no like in between. It was out. either he was either ranked number one or he was somewhere from four Actually, to seven. That yeah. totally makes sense to me because if, in a weird if way. you're gonna be a bear, be a grizzly. Like if you're gonna stand on this John 100%. Jones is it corner, you've just got to put him at the top. You can't be like, well, he's number two. Yeah, like that'd be two weird. Dudes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that makes sense to me. Can I also note because I feel like we're about to be transitioning in a rational world where one of our panelists not me, wasn't a psycho and refused to rank heavyweights, but then does rank John Jones because reasons. Uh, Francis Ngannou would be number four, and we would have Jones and Ngannou at three and four in our pound-for-pound rankings, which would just be really fun. Well, of course, what you mentioned is our fact that our our good friend, the legendary videographer, E.K.C. Leiden, uh, 1-0 as a professional fighter. I don't know if you guys know that. He has, he has a so tendency, he has a noted philosophy to not rank heavyweights and really light heavyweights as well uh, in the pound for pound. For some reason, Vadim Nemkov gets an exception. I don't know why, uh, but he he just doesn't rank the big guys because of the way he looks at pound for pound. And yet John Jones appeared on his ballot, which propelled John way farther up than Francis. It's a whole it's a whole separate issue. He but, appeared relatively highly on that ballot, too, you know. Casey's going to do what Casey's going to do. I can actually see where he's coming from in that John fought two divisions. He's a fight. Listen, he's a fighter. He knows more about this than any of us. He has more cred. He has more cred. Cubs, uh, Cubs, Cubs Swanson's out there somewhere just nodding his head like, good. Right <laughs> Quick two-parter, and then we're moving on to the last thing of the day. Uh, if John Jones goes out there, again, yes or no question only here. We're, we got to move on. But AK and Jed, because I already know where Damon stands. If John goes out there and just demolishes Stipe, like he did Cyril gone. Like it's just not even a competition. Is he your number one heavyweight? And is he your number one pound for pound? Oh, number one heavyweight almost for sure. Because like we said, that'll be in July. I think by then we'll know what Francis is doing. Unless Francis can book some sort of relevant MMA. Like I know, I, I know we joked about some of the guys who could fight out the UFC, but I actually like think it would be credible if he could go out and, you know, go see fights Phil DeFreeze. He goes to beat Ryan Bader. I know fans would laugh. Fans would be like, it's not UFC. Oh, Phil DeFreeze is whatever. He couldn't make it in the UFC, however, X years ago, and that doesn't mean anything. It, w- it would still mean something to me. It would mean that he's still fighting at least quality heavyweights. It, it would probably be enough to keep him there, but all signs seem to indicate he's not he's not going to um, fight an MMA next. So that, that problem might solve itself. So I will say very strong chance that John Jones uh, is the number one heavyweight whenever he, he fights Stipe. And, and, and if he gets that win pound for pound is a little more complicated, it can't be answered independently because what's Volkanovski going to do during this time? What's Makachev going to do during this time? What's what if, uh, I don't know, Leon Edwards beats Let's Usman again. Everything else stays stagnant. Oh, what a, what a, that's uh, then, just yes or no, no? I still no. Then no. Okay. Uh, no for pound for pound. Jed, heavyweight uh, pound for pound. Yes or no? No for heavyweight. I'm I'm going to give Francis his respect. Um, uh, Casey and I talked about this. If he beats Stipe and another one, then that will almost certainly move him above. But just beating Stipe, he'll he'll just stay there. For pound for pound, uh, was the question: Will he be number one pound for pound? Mm-hmm. No, he'll move up. Probably top three or four, but he's not going to take the number one with those two wins. I think I sort of align the same with you in that. No, I'm going to give Francis a little bit more room here. And again, you got to beat somebody that Francis didn't beat for me to be able to put you above him. Uh, And pound for pound, he might be my number one. I'm I'm not going to lie. 
if he it's also just easy to give francis that respect of like if if he's if he's on the time clock like the shot clock he's about to exit anyway for for time or lack of activity like i'm just gonna let him run that out and not take something away that he earned and and is not losing in the cage yeah I do think, though, that if he comes out and just demolishes Stipe in the way that he did Cyril, I, I, he might be number one pound for pound for me at that point, just because of the history that we have with him. Uh, but we that is for another show, another day. Let's move on really quickly and hit that last segment, last thing to talk about, the other big result of the weekend. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. But it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and y'all, our number one pound-for-pound pound female fighter of the planet, she is no longer. Uh, I am sorry ahead of time to make you relive uh, this financial nightmare, Jed, but but this half-decade reign. you're talking about. It's a great weekend. <laughs> had a lot of fun. <laughs> fun was had. I gained so many new followers through the tragedy hey, of my life. So. Little victories, man. Little victories. Silver linings. Uh, the half-decade reign of Valentina Shevchenko is finally over. It ends in incredible fashion. Alexa Grasso goes in there, has the performance of her life. She chokes out a legend. And probably, I wouldn't say the greatest, but one of the greatest title reigns in UFC women's history. She is, of course... Uh, going to be our consensus number one flyweight once the next division rankings come out. Those haven't come out yet. But for our purposes today, what we're talking about, Amanda Nunes is now, once again, the new pound-for-pound pound number one on the women's side. And y'all, I was a little surprised by this, but Alexa Grasso making her presence known. Number two on the on the women's pound-for-pound pound ranks for MMA fighting. Holy shit, really? Uh, I That was my reaction. I'm actually a little stunned to see it. Uh, but that is where we ended up. I, ended up, I had her fourth behind Zhang, Cyborg, and Nunes. Jed and Damon, you had her third behind Zhang and Nunes. And AK, you had her at fifth behind Zhang, Cyborg, and Nunes, and actually Valentina as well. But just the collective aggregate, because that top 
you know, what two through five is so muddled uh, for everybody. That's just kind of where the average worked out. So fellas, talk me through this. How did you end up where you ended up? And are you surprised that this is where we ended up? I had her the lowest. You do. You, have the you, do. you had her the lowest of the whole lowest team. Of the whole group. You know what screwed up is I almost had her number one. I, I had a thought that's in my big, head. That's a big, big switch. One to five. I had a thought in my head. I said, we don't know that 125 pound Alexa Grasso is not the best women's fighter in the world. Um, she hasn't listened. She hasn't lost 125. She hasn't lost one to one and she's looks fantastic. Like this isn't just, Oh, well, it's just a record. It, all, all of her fights at one five have been great. She showed off more well-rounded skill set. She's clearly physically matured into her, into her prime. Like she just looks like, uh, I don't want to say the best version of herself. Cause that, that could be still to come, but boy, she looked really, really good against Valentina on Saturday, even though, uh, the official scorecards did have Shevchenko up two rounds, uh, they gave around all, all three judges gave Shevchenko rounds two and three. So she was up going to round four. I think she might have even gone up three to one after uh, round four, depending if, if Alex Grasso didn't get that choke, but was still able to do other stuff on the ground. It might have been even. But regardless, let's say it was three rounds to one for Shevchenko. Those were, th- those were all close rounds. Those were all really good competitive rounds. Grasso looked completely like she belonged with, again, what was our number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And she won. I just mentioned all these hypotheticals. What happened in reality is she won. She 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 capitalized a mistake. She took Shevchenko down. She won by submission. No controversy. And I, I really thought to myself, maybe she's number one. What held me back was, and this goes almost back to your discussion, Jed, of what's the statute of limitations on like past results, is I had to remember that. Uh, there was a loss to Esparza, you know, somewhat contentious, but it wasn't. She didn't have a loss to Esparza. And it got totally like trucked by Suarez. It does feel like it's a lifetime ago. It was a, a different weight class. So again, this is stuff I thought of when I was thinking, why can't Grasso just be number one? But I just wasn't ready to discount those losses yet. So it, it's almost unfair. Again, I'm almost being a little unfair. We should really just be be evaluating the 125 version. And I think if you're doing that, really, you could have pushed her all the way to number one. I didn't. I had to include some of her uh, 115 as well. So that's that's why I ended up at uh, at five and, and just kind of flipping that. But um, me, yeah, it was a tough add. one. Let me also add just for the, for the listeners, hearing that she is number two maybe sounds a bit different from the actual reality of it because the point systems we use, uh, everything is totaled up, right? So first gets like a 20, tight. yeah, first gets like 20 tight. points, second gets, second place gets 19 points, et cetera, et cetera. The difference between Grasso being number two and number four is minuscule. It is absolutely minuscule. But oh. The difference between yeah. Grasso, Zhang, and Shevchenko is negligible. So Grasso very easily could have been number four on everybody's ballots. It really, again, just goes yeah. through that top, that two through five. I mean, it's not even that big and, a gap to be in number six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the difference between Grasso, Zhang, Shevchenko, and Cyborg in everybody else's balance, all of those are mixed up in some order. And that's just sort of how we ended up where we ended up. Now, I was like, do you want to know the really crappy part about this? Trying to figure this whole thing out. Alexa Grasso currently has a better win streak than anybody else in that top four. There you go. That's right. There you go. Right. So she could be number one. Jane's so, on so a two fight win streak. Noon's on a one fight win streak. Like it's crazy when you think about it. Grasso's actually got a longer win streak than anybody else in that top four. Yeah. Yeah, so Shane's the, the other thing pound for pound being shit for the men. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. For Just, I was, dark. No, I was, I was applying it to both. Yeah. The other thing I think needs to be explained and I don't, I, I know I'm not the only one who still has her behind Shevchenko, right? Who, 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 uh, you are, are the we only all, person who has Grasso below Shevchenko. 
on the show or of all of us? Of I all of us. To take. Really? Okay. So for me, I, I, that to me is just me being consistent because, so that's probably the other, other reason. Uh, when, when Juliana Pena beat Amanda Nunes, uh, was this January? What was this? December, was sorry, December, 2021. Two years ago. I also did not put Pena above, um, that is Nunes true. there. I'm now, now Grasso has a much better track record at flyweight than Pena has at 135, frankly, outside of the Nunes win. Uh, but, but I did want to be consistent. I, I, I did not make it automatic that if you beat the number one pound for pound or sorry, the champion division, you necessarily take their pound for pound spot. So same thing happened with Grasso. She, she gets the number one of the division, but doesn't get the, um, doesn't get the ranking ahead of Shevchenko. There's no easy answer here. And this is worse than the men's as I was talking about, like <laughs> trying to justify, like it's all, Makachev, a, mess. You know, it's all such a mess, man. Nunes, Nunes, <laughs> Nunes is on a one fight win streak. She got, I mean, let, let's be honest. She got trucked by Pena in their first fight. Now she came back and absolutely beat the brakes off her in the rematch. <laughs> she but, got trucked and, is a weird way to frame that fight, but okay. That is not the descriptor I would use for that. She fight. did not look good in that fight. She did not no, look great in that fight. Yeah. And she got she did she got, the it, first round before she won. The, she did, but I'm saying like she window. she looked she looked like the old Amanda Nunez in that second round. Um and then came back and obviously beat the brakes off Pena in the, in the rematch. But again, one fight win streak. It's a weird one to have that. And she didn't just lose, she got finished in the second round. And then you go to Shevchenko, same kind of thing. Like she looked dominant, looked amazing. She was winning, she was up on the scorecards, then she gets choked out in the fourth round. Uh, Zhang, that was a you much know, more competitive a, fight, though. That oh, was no, a yeah, much, it was. Much it more was. Competitive fight. She got knocked out. You know, Zhang got knocked. You know, Zhang, you know, lost to Rose a couple of times. I know the rematch was close, whatever, but then she beat Joanna, which was a great win. I mean, absolutely a phenomenal win. Um, and then obviously went out there and, you know, just laid waste to Carlos Bars in a fight that, you know, pretty much everyone expected to go the way it went. It's just a weird time. And then you look at Cyborg, whose record outside the UFC has been beating up bartenders that Bellator finds somewhere now. around. She's just she a finds, she, whatever, whatever bartenders working at the oh, Black Forge Inn in Dublin is who they're throwing in there with her. And she's beating up in Bellator. Um, it's, I don't feel good about anything right now about women's pound for pound guys. I just don't. I don't feel good about anybody right now. Uh, look. This is garbage. I don't even like having Nunes at number one uh, for all the reasons I'm not supportive of putting John Jones. See, at I already one. had her at number one. I already did. So yeah, I was fine on that. It's not awful. Uh, it's the way I can justify it. It's just like, well, nobody else has really done anything good to take it away from her, but like all of her good wins are forever ago and not against people who mean anything anymore. So it's all pretty meh. None of this matters, guys. Because yep. the true hero lies in wait. Someone oh, will emerge very soon to take the flyweight title and and take the crown of best pound for pound fighter. And when you said at the start of this, the, are we have a cons, the consensus number one flyweight in the world? That is not true, Shaheen. Because I have a different number one flyweight in the world, oh and it's God. our future champion and oh hero. Oh my God! You Aaron just gotta Blanchfield do it. Is coming, you just gotta guys. do it. And what? she's gonna be the top <laughs> pound for pound fighter in the world before oh the end of this year. You just gotta do it. This woman, I didn't see this. Alexa Grasso goes out and beats Valentina Shevchenko, the, the woman what? you felt so confident about that you put your entire bankroll on. The woman you have been for years being like, oh, this is the greatest female fighter in history. This is the number one fighter in the sport. Wow. She chokes her out 
definitively. Absolutely. And you can't even give her the number one spot in the division. This is Brasso is getting the Charles Oliveira treatment from Jed. Jed refu- famously refused to give Charles Oliveira the <laughs> number I one wrong? spot. After. Was I wrong? You were wrong twice. Yes, you had like Gagey yes. over him. <laughs> you were, twice you were wrong before you were right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I feel pretty good about Blanchard over Grasso, guys. I'm not going to lie. So Grasso's oh, number God. two flyweight, and she's number three in my pound for pound. This is why it matters to have an eight-person panel so that seven opinions can outweigh <laughs> yes. the one dumb opinion. I totally ever, agree. I totally arguing. agree with you in this, but we need people like me to keep things fresh. Not, <laughs> what are you, Heath Ledger? You need fringe. people like me. <laughs> you do. You want me on that wall, <laughs> You need this kind of dissension. You don't need... Um, what the unnamed panelist is doing in the top of the women's pound for pound list, but you do need me. I will say based on, you know, if we're playing the whole who beats who, who's the best skill. That's how my rankings go. If that's, if that's the, if that's the prerequisite to to ranking, then yeah, I believe Aaron Blanchfield is probably the best flyweight in the world right now in terms of skill. I think she, in my opinion, she dominates Alexa Grasso. And I, now seeing what happened to Valentina Shevchenko in back-to-back fights on the ground, I don't disagree that Aaron Blanchfield might win that fight too. Kind of breaks my heart because I was very much on the Jed Mishu, mm-hmm. Valentina Shevchenko bullet train for a long time. Um, but yeah, but again, that's I can't put her there yet based on my way of ranking, which is you know accomplishment. Beating Andrade is huge. But, you know, you choke out Valentina Shevchenko, you got to be number one. And again, I don't feel great about it because when you look at even Grasso being undefeated at flyweight, it's not like like she has great wins at flyweight. Like she has good wins, like, you know, Barber and and Araujo. But, you know, Araujo just got, you know, beat the other night. Does that win really hold up? Like she's she's a little bit in that, you know, like a little bit in that Pereira, you know, that, that Leon Edwards category where like her wins up till Valentina don't look all that great. Shaheen, let me also throw you a bone and say that if Valentina had somehow won that fight, if she hadn't gotten choked out, survived to the end of the round, won the fifth, still retained her belt, I was still putting Blanchfield at the number one. No. No, you were A thousand percent no, you would have. Irresponsible. You, you irresponsible. just responsible. She would she would win that fight. I would confidently pick Aaron Blanchfield to beat Valentina Shevchenko. And that's all I need to put you at number one. Let me ask this. Obviously, Jed, you don't have to answer this because I think we know the answer. <laughs> was, was there any? Because th- I almost did this. I actually almost did this. What, was was did anyone have any thought to keeping Shevchenko number one? No, no, she was. Impossible, she was already my number two. She was already my. She's already two. your number two, Gene. Damon, uh, any thought? Any thought to keeping Shevchenko number one? There was a there was a brief thought. Mm. Only because I don't feel good about putting Nunes number one. Like I don't, I don't feel great about that spot. Like Shevchenko getting upset, but here's the thing. She, you know, Alexa won round one. She was hanging tough. Yes. She lost rounds two and three, but she was hanging tough. If Alexa pulled out, like to me, Alexa beating Valentina in all honesty is a bigger upset than Holly Holm beating Ronda Rousey, in my opinion, because Alexa style wise, in theory, should not have been competitive with Valentina. Now she did, and credit to her, she looked great. Absolutely. But like on paper, to me, that's a bigger upset. But again, I just I don't feel good about I just I don't know. There's just something about Nunes being number one right now I don't feel great about. But you know, I'm stuck because Shevchenko yeah. got choked out. She didn't lose a split decision. She didn't lose a close. She got choked out. It's an emphatic ending. It's hard for me to leave her number one. But I I thought about it for a split second. 
two quick rapid fire things and i want to close this out with these uh just yes or no again i already feel like i know where everyone's going to go on this first one but i'm curious just to gauge the the feel of the room the temperature of the room is this spot this number one spot is it just aaron blanchfield's in waiting like are we just waiting for for this to be aaron blanchfield's yes or no jed yes i mean i already said it yes a thousand percent yes no no you don't think so Grasso was super impressive on Saturday. I'm not counting route against anybody anymore. Damon. Are you talking flyweight or pound for pound? Pound for pound. Pound for pound. No, there's a question because Zhang's out there still. And if Zhang can, you know, Zhang can win her next fight, beat Rose or beat Andrade, she could she could jump in that number one spot over Nunes. Okay. Uh, and then last thing, and we'll end on this. Grasso Shevchenko too. The way that fight played out, we know this is going to be a rematch. We already know how this is going to go. Who do you favor, Jed? I don't know. It's really, really tough. Probably Grasso. Um, I know she was losing the fight, but in general, when the younger fighter wins a, a fight, they do better in the rematch, have the confidence. I mean, all the stuff I thought that that fight was going to look like was not the case. Uh, Valentina did not just overwhelm her with physicality, which was the most surprising part. I think Valentina is definitely on the decline physically. She's been fighting for 20 freaking years. Like it's impossible to, to fend off father time that long. So probably Grasso, but uh, it's, it's really, I will, we'll see it. It's a really close fight, but I think I'm going Grasso. Yeah, you said to me on the post-fight show that Valentina, because we were talking about the dates of, of Valentina and how early she started compared to like before Roxanne Montefiore and like all these mm-hmm. legends. You said that she started like a few years after Fedor started, and that was like, the one that really just years like after Fedor, yeah, like like five months after Shogun. Unprecedented like, that this is still happening at this level. Like this woman could have legitimately been fighting in real Pride if Pride did that. Like that is a thing that could have happened. Crazy. And she was still the freaking champ until Saturday. One of one, man. One of one. AK, that rematch, who you lean towards right now? Grasso. Damon. Shevchenko under one condition. She needs to stop training in Kyrgyzstan and Japan and all these weird places. Train train a normal training camp with good people around you and get better. And then I'm on on board for Shevchenko pulling one out. But so it sounds um, like you're picking Grasso because that's not going to happen. No, I'm you know still, that I'm, sticking, I'm still, I'm still sticking. I'm, I'm going to stick with Shevchenko. She was winning, um, but yeah, I just, I just, I need her to go back to Vegas, man. Go back to Vegas and train there because this whole traveling to Kyrgyzstan and Japan and all these other weird things she's doing, she needs to get out of there and, and train with real people again. I'm, I'm leaning Grasso too. Just even. <laughs> Even if that fight had gone to a decision and Grasso had won it, I, w- I feel like I would have leaned Grasso. We talked about it a lot in the, in the lead up, but just Shevchenko's overwhelming dominance masked for so long her overwhelming longevity. And at some point that had to, that had the bottom had to fall out and maybe it fell out 5% and that's it. That's all it takes. But it feels like it fell out a tiny bit. Uh, Can I steal your job real quick here, uh, Shaheen, just for a second? Aaron Blanchfield versus Shevchenko and or Grasso. Is anyone picking anyone over Blanchfield? I say no. Blanchfield beats both of them right now. I'm not picking a woman alive over Aaron Blanchfield. I'm not counting out Grasso anymore. I'm not because she looked fantastic on Saturday. Right. I, I, I know she was All losing right. the fight on the scorecards, but I thought she was so good. Aaron she Blanchfield beats her. anybody at that weight class right she now. She looked great, <laughs> but Tatiana Suarez, that, I can't get that fight out of my mind. 
And Suarez is now in the conversation. She debuted on our pound for pound rankings too. She is yeah, at the very bottom there, number twenty. Oh, and she's can we please get, can we please I, I get Tatiana against Zhang Wei Li? Can we please get Tatiana against Zhang Wei Li? Please, please. And this year, baby, this is yeah, the year. Those, this are, the year those are the two women who are about to own uh, the top of this weight class for this this ranking, this pound for pound ranking for some time. Well, I'm looking forward to it. We are in the thick of it, fellas. Uh, as we said, we are going to be back in two weeks, really, with Leon after Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman three. The pay-per-view schedule is just fast and furious for the next few months here. And just even the events outside of the pay-per-views are really, really good. I mean, hell, even this week, we have a sensational Bellator card coming up with the with the lightweight tournament starting. Can't wait for all of this to take place. It's going to be a lot of fun. What a time it is for MMA 2023, man. Alive, well, on fire. And we appreciate all of you guys for joining us on this ride. That is it for us today. Uh, this has been another episode of the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. We appreciate all of you. As always, keep it locked to the MMA Fighting Network. That man is Jed. That man is Damon. That man is Alexander K. Lee. I am Sean Oshadi. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.